Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. This is for Sunday, November the 21st, 2021. My name is Melvin Gaines and thanks for joining us today. We are going to uh, get into a very interesting message. Um, uh, you know, it's my opinion, but I think that uh, you'll appreciate it from the standpoint of really doing a, a very important introspection as far as where you are in life and making sure that you indeed are putting the proper focus uh, on where you should be, and that would be in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to sit quietly and listen to you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not through the words that I have, but through your words, Lord. That's what's most important here. And I pray that that is what is conveyed to those who hear this message. We pray, Lord, that you will bless Bless us right now. Bless our church. Bless our members and even those who are not with our church who happen to stop in and watch this message, Lord, that you just give them something that they can hang on to. Your word is reliable and it can be relied upon. And we thank you for your truth as well, too. We thank you for all that you're doing in this day and in the days to come uh, for those people you are trying to reach for the purpose of the kingdom. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't have to go to the office for my job uh, very often right now, but the idea of going there is still tough to do. And, and the reason for that is I love working from home. I've loved it ever since we've started doing that. But I also know that uh, there is the reality that we're gonna have a full-fledged hybrid schedule uh, that's gonna begin sometime next year. And knowing this, uh, I've concluded that it is important to take the silver lining approach to make my trips to the office a more pleasant experience. First, I just take the main roads without getting on the freeway, which is an automatic stress reducer. If you know anything about driving uh, on the freeway, especially 271 or I-480 in Cleveland, you know all about that. Um, I'm there at work in just about a half hour and there isn't a whole lot of traffic going the way that I go. I take my time and I stay true to the speed limit and if another car or if a group of cars wants to zoom by me, they can have at it. Uh, in observing the behavior of other drivers on the road, you get a picture in your mind of the personalities of these drivers by looking at the condition of the cars that they drive. Now, more often than not, these are people who you would never allow to bar borrow your own car. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to see these drivers who are always in a rush as if running late or for work or for an appointment or for whatever. They are often occupied with a number of thoughts as they go while studying their phones at traffic stops or even worse, driving while looking at their phones. Some are talking out loud with no one else in the car and some are on the phone yelling at someone else about something. The cars that they are driving also have characteristics that fit their perceived personalities. All four wheels are missing their hubcaps. All four of them. There are also dings and dents in different places on their cars and it seems they can't get them fixed right away because perhaps their insurance deductible is just too high. Now, this is my imagination expressing what I see during these morning commutes. 
I look at visible indicators of drivers and my perception of their personalities and make a determination about how life may be going for them. How accurate my assessment is in those brief moments can't really be tested out with further, without further information or discussions, and those are just not possible. And while I can't learn about them, I can spend a lot of time in my personal reflection as to who I am today and make my own notes as to how my life is going. It's interesting how many of us have a public facade but have an entirely different life underneath it. Only you can address this part of your life. Have you ever neglected your own self-care or reflection because you were fearful of what you might see about yourself? Something to think about. Let's take this opportunity to look at a way as how we once were before we got to know Jesus. Let's go beyond the appearances that I've discussed here. Minds clouded with too many thoughts, distractions, outbursts of anger, carelessness, and failure to overcome circumstances. These are characteristics of a ragged existence, a ragged life. Now, the word ragged is an adjective. It's a description primarily used in clothing that is tattered and worn out, but it also is used to describe a person's behavior and outlook in this manner. Imperfect, uneven, exhausted, and worn out. A ragged life is an unsteady life. It's an unstable life. It's an inconsistent life. It can be exhausting over time, and it can feel like you're treading concrete. People who are always in a rush and can't seem to relax or slow down are looking at their own circumstances with the hope that they can turn things around on their own. A prolonged state of raggedness contributes to despair and hopelessness. But for the ragged, help is indeed available. Raggedness needs redemption. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Isaiah chapter 44, and let's look at verse 6. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Raggedness needs redemption, and Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Isaiah 44, 6 uh, puts it beautifully here. This is the English Standard Version. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Let's read that again real quick. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. There is no place else to go but directly to Jesus, our Redeemer. 
That's who is being referenced here in this passage. Now, I readily admit that before I acknowledged Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I was one of the ragged. The Holy Spirit had to reveal to me my raggedness for what it was and what it was doing to me before I was willing to put it all in front of Jesus. Satan will make you go along in your own way without revealing your own raggedness. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal how desperate you really are. I had to bring my raggedness to the feet of the cross. I needed his redemption. Now one remedy as believers is our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the remedy for our raggedness. It doesn't resolve every personal issue that we have, but it does resolve some very important issues, the ones that really matter. Number one, it reveals and addresses our sin. It reveals and addresses our sin. Raggedness is more than a state of mind. It is a state of being. Our words and actions are reflective of our sinful nature. When we are not following Jesus Christ, we are ultimately following someone or something else. And that leads to sin and fleshliness. Thankfully, at the moment you decide you want to get away from raggedness and give your matters to Jesus, he immediately responds and shares his love for you without regard as to where you were coming from. He takes you as you are. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's look at verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. This is also the English Standard Version. Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Another passage to look at here is 1 John Chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Let's take a look at that and see what, it, what also what it says here in reference to this subject about how our sin is being revealed and we address it. 1 John 1, verses 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, our, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Jesus is ready to act for those who sincerely seek his forgiveness and guidance. Believers in Jesus are much more conscious of this because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit identifies the sin that creates the raggedness, and your repentance leads to forgiveness. Jesus simply tells us to go and sin no more. Amen and amen. Number two, it makes us righteous before God. In order order to overcome raggedness, it is necessary to trust in someone other than yourself, and that someone is Jesus. It is an act of stepping out on faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So let's talk about this faith. What about it? Faith. Faith is an exercise that requires, for everyone involved, consistent application and conscious repetition. Let me repeat that real quick. Faith is an exercise that requires consistent application and conscious repetition. It's creating a good habit. Honestly, that's what it is. Stepping out in faith is something that requires practice. Practice. Imagine when you enter a very dark room with no light for the very first time. For those of us who were new in our faith, this is a very similar analogy to going to an unfamiliar and even uncomfortable place. As you practice your faith, you obtain more experience, and you can enter that same dark room with more and more confidence, knowing that you can navigate more effectively without tripping or bumping into furniture. Our faith requires a regular workout as we trust in Jesus Christ. In the truest sense of stepping into the unknown, take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And this is true for all of us who, no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord Jesus, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. Can't go by what we see. Sometimes we have to rely upon Jesus to fill in those gaps for us and help us along moment by moment. Now, just as I stated uh, at the end of 1 John uh, verse 9, we're deemed righteous before Jesus because we make the decision to say, I don't want to be ragged anymore. The righteousness before God is rooted in obedience and in our faith and not in how much we are doing ourselves. Let's take a look at another example of faith and what it really represents. Take a look at Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. That's Romans 4, verses 1 through 3. Romans 4, 1 to 3. And this is going to be also English Standard Version. Most of my verses are in that passage today, which is to be consistent. Uh, But look at what it says here about Abraham. Verse 1, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? 
For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And then verse 3, for what does scripture say? What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Here's a thing to remember here. In our flesh, we always try to do more and try to achieve more in an effort to try to escape our raggedness, our state of raggedness. You can't do anything on your own strength to make yourself righteous before God. God wants to see you exercise more faith, more than your mind and muscles, more faith. He wants to see your faith and he wants to see your obedience. Romans chapter 4 spends a good amount of time speaking about Abraham's faith. But drop down in Romans 4, and let's look at what it says here in verses 19 through 25. Drop down to verse 19 in Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, 19. He, that being Abraham, did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Look at that. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, it would be neglectful for me to omit mentioning the raggedness of Abraham as he went through his journey with God. And while Abraham was far from perfect, we see here that as time went along, Abraham's faith grew as he spent more time with God. And it was his faith that propelled him to be the father of many nations. God challenged Abraham to see where his faith was and how much it had progressed. Our lesson here is that God challenges us in our moments of raggedness and wants us to rely more upon him in faith rather than rely upon our own abilities. Amen. In order to be righteous before God, we must exercise our faith more and more each day. Is Jesus challenging you in this area? If you don't recognize his challenges, I'll just put it out here that you're not looking for him. The challenges are there. Don't ignore the promptings of the Spirit. It's time to listen and accept the challenge. Righteousness before him is yours as you choose to follow him in faith and remain faithful. Point number three, 
It settles our destiny. This whole thing about faith and trust in Jesus, it settles our destiny. It is belief in Jesus and only Jesus who controls our eternal destiny. Take a look at John chapter 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. These are the words of Jesus speaking, and they're for all to hear. John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, says, And there is salvation in no one else but Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now I added in the but Jesus part because it is who is referring to. There is no other name involved. There is salvation under no one else. We are assured of eternal life because Jesus promised it. And he keeps all of his promises. Now I do want you to turn please to 1 John chapter 2. And let's take a look at verses 23 through 25. 1 John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Remember, we're talking about our destiny, our eternal destiny. And these passages are going to address that issue as well, too. Verse 23 in John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. Eternal life. That's the promise. He keeps his promises. John 14, 23 uh, says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will, continue, we will come to him and make our home with him. We want the eternal life that Jesus speaks of here where we will have our home with him. Amen. We don't want the eternal torment as referred to in Luke chapter 16 where the rich man found himself. Because there's, a, there's different types of eternity here we need to speak about and just be truthful about. And let everyone know that the one we want is the one where Jesus is. Luke 16, 24. You can turn to that. Luke 16, 24. The secure eternity we're referring to is not going to be the place that we're going to be reading here in this next passage. We don't want any part of that. Luke 16, 24, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. This is one of those moments where we need to let people know that there are consequences when you deny your very creator. There's a consequence if you deny your own creator. 
Take a look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 through 32. Matthew 12, verses 30 to 32. Now this is the New Living Translation. But we need to look at this and... and one of the things that I was challenged to write about here when I when I prepared this, sometimes it's good just to talk about what the alternative is if we just choose to not follow the Lord. And it's not to scare anybody. It's just to tell talk about truth. When we're talking about a holy God, a God who does make judgment based upon uh, sin and behaviors, and he is a God who does not sin, then there are choices that are made and there's a consequence for it. Look what it says here in Matthew 12, verses 30 through 32. Anyone who isn't with me, this is Jesus speaking, opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Verse 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. And there are actually several passages that refer to this, not just in this one here in Matthew chapter 12. In other parts of the gospel, this same type of passage is mentioned. In fact, it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where it's repeated and emphasized. As this section here is addressing the eternal aspect of our relationship with Jesus Christ, this is where our fervent prayers for our family members, our friends, and other loved ones need to implore the Holy Spirit to confront those people and their lives of raggedness and move them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The danger of raggedness with non-believers is that they often believe that they are good enough and that they are doing just fine. And they certainly don't see themselves as ragged. What? Who? Me? No way. That's what they might say. This is why you need to continually, continuously pray. Pray continually, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I'll just leave it there. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should have the confidence that their destiny with Jesus, the destiny to be with Jesus, is secure. You should have that confidence. You should believe that and know that. Take a look at John chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Let's look at why we should have this confidence about our destiny. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, 
and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Amen. Do you recognize Jesus' voice when he speaks to you? Do you recognize it? Are you secure in your relationship with Jesus? He does not want anyone to settle for a ragged life. He wants everyone to live the abundant life through him. He doesn't want you to settle for anything less than that. We have all experienced struggles. We've all experienced sufferings. This is a common experience for all of mankind. Jesus gives us the ability to endure these sufferings and come through them on the other side. He wants the best for you. Jesus has more than enough ability to cure our raggedness. The more that we desire to get away from our ragged state, the more that we will move towards our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Jesus turns our raggedness into righteousness. Amen. Father, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. We thank you for the repairs. We thank you for the fixes. We thank you for how you rehabilitate us and continue to develop us and sanctify us as we grow in our relationship with you. And Lord, for those people who are listening who are not believing in you, Lord, you know who they are. We pray right now that you impress upon them through the power of the Spirit and compel them to seek you and ask questions of you and about you for the purposes of them making a decision that you indeed are Lord and you are the one who is the remedy for their lives of raggedness. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for how you are indeed a great teacher and a great physician. You know exactly what we need when we need it. Lord, compel us to ask and we'll receive you. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I pray that the, the message today compels you to open the Bible and look a little bit more at what Jesus has to say. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you all and take care and we'll see you next time.